back to West Coast Mix and Bounce. I'm your co-host, Bronna Marks, and I'm here with Leslie Torres. West Coast Mix and Bounce is brought to you by Sports Al Dente, your recipe for L.A. sports. If you love this podcast and love L.A. sports, then you need to go check out SportsAlDente.com right now. We are a Los Angeles player-centric media platform, and our passion is to feature the great players and teams of L.A. We are also fully dedicated to giving expert weekly and daily advice in the world of fantasy football. We offer three different affordable membership packets, monthly, yearly, and lifetime. If you go to subscribe, make sure you use the promo code WCMB and get 10% off any package. Make sure to connect with us once you subscribe. Now, let's get to the good stuff. The Clippers and the Warriors are going head-to-head in the first round of the NBA playoffs. So we're going to go over those three games and kind of just review what's happened so far. So, Leslie, kind of take us through, like, you know, game one. All right. So game one um, was at Oracle Arena Saturday. And, of course, they went kind of how you would expect it to go. The Warriors beat the Clippers 121-104. to And, honestly, the superstar of the night was, like, no question, Stephen Curry. He had 38 points and 15 rebounds. And then mm-hmm. out of those 38 points, eight were three-pointers, which kind of tells you how the game went <laughs> for both teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a lot of great stuff from the Warriors, and there was also a lot of bad stuff from the Clippers. Um, Do you want to touch on the Clippers first, kind of like what we think went wrong for them in game one? Yeah, I just, honestly, I think they needed to feel out how the Warriors were going to play against them. Honestly, as as far as uh, playoffs go, obviously they played them through the regular seasons and they've had some up and downs, back and forth wins and losses with them. Mm-hmm. But I think they were, the Warriors were at home, correct? Yes. Yeah, so the Warriors were at home, so it's kind of like the clear, this, it's an away game for them. Um, so I think it definitely was going to be challenging. I did not expect them to win game one. Um <laughs> I think they, they especially with the team that they have now, the newer team that they have now, they all have to kind of come together and say, here, here's what we know, here's what we don't know, here's what you need to know, you know, that kind of back-and-forth conversation before obviously getting into game two, but we won't get there just yet. Yeah. But um, Patrick Beverly obviously made a statement when he came in. He was bickering with KD, trying to get in people's heads. He's like that. He obviously will say that he's not, you know, he's not trying to get in people's head, but he is. He's he's just a little quirky on the court, and he'll get to you if you let them, if you let him. Um, so I think him um, doing that, I think the biggest thing, though, that I picked up, sorry, let me just open up my box score real quick, was that their starters barely had any points yes. <laughs> at all in game yes. one. Um, Zubak had zero. Beverly, even though he was annoying, he had three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Shamet had three. And then you had Gilius and Gallinari, 18-15, respectively. So it was really that their bench that put up points, which is kind of yes. like, okay, yes, you need your bench to come through. But come on, like the starters have to give you something. That was 
terrible. That was yeah, a terrible score. I, I totally agree. Most of the Clippers' um, pressure fell on Lou Williams and Montrell's Harrell. So they Williams had 25 points, 9 assists. Harold had 26 points, 5 rebounds. But the fact that it all fell on their shoulders, it's like, come on, where's the rest of the team? Gallinari needs to mm-hmm. step up. This is not his first year. You know, we'll probably give Shamit and Zubak a kind of like... A little slide just because they're newer players, younger players, haven't been in this kind of situation before. But players like Gallinari need to step up. And like you said, I guess Beverly, he plays well defensively. He can be a bothersome type of player. So maybe his his accolades won't show up on the stat line. But if you're going to be good on the defense, you have to kind of work it on an offense. If not, you're a man short, technically. <laughs> you know, because exactly. if you're not shooting, then the Clippers are a man short. And against the Warriors, that's not a team you want to be short on. You know, exactly. But, yeah, I agree with you. They they played as expected as best you could against the Warriors. So it's kind of hard to compete with the Warriors, especially when they're shooting 46 per, 46% from the three-point line compared to the Clippers who only shot in that game 36%. So if that's yeah. the way you're going to be shooting, you're going to get outscored every day. So Exactly. Yeah, and then honestly to me the most crazy part was that they allowed Stephen Curry to have 15 rebounds. What is that? <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Yeah, they don't. Only they're average, not guarding. Yeah, he only averages like five rebounds per game this season. So to allow him to get 15 rebounds, like where are these big guys at? They were not like, they were just letting him go over everywhere, and it's like those rebounds are the ones that matter and kind of like set the pace, you know. But exactly. I give the props to the Warriors for that because. They kind of, Curry kind of did the dirty work. He, no task was too big or too small for him. And for the fact that he had 15 rebounds and then like eight three pointers, it's crazy. The Warriors are just amazing. Um, But then also some crazy stuff that happened was that Patrick Beverly and Kevin Durant both got ejected, right? Right, So they were going at it all night and then they get ejected in the last quarter of the game. Do you think that Kevin Durant, I mean, sorry, the other way around, do you think that Patrick Beverly did get under Kevin Durant's skin a little bit? It's been going on in the media, and I just wanted to get your opinion. Oh, yeah. You can even tell. I wasn't able to, you know, watch sit and watch the whole game through, but Mm -hmm. you could tell by... he was trying to laugh it off. Like, Katie, he was trying to laugh it off. He was trying to, you know, think it's funny. But there's only so much pestering one person can take, you know? Um, and I think even though he was trying to, like, laugh it off and, like, you know, shrug it off, I think he was a little affected by it. Um, he was in his face all night, all on, on top of him, around him, close to him, you know. I mean, they're, they're the reasons why they got ejected is because they were both frustrated at each other. Um, so it's just kind of like, yeah, he can say, mm-hmm. I think he was, he was pretty lax. I think he took it well for the most part, honestly, because, you know, Durant could be a very emotional player. He could get in refs' faces. You know, he can he could get pretty intense. So I... um commend him for definitely keeping his cool as long as he did, but I think he definitely was affected, for sure. Yeah, no, uh, I agree with you. It was, 
I'd like to watch it just because I felt like this is kind of like what the playoffs are all about. Like, I love the competitiveness. But to me, it was kind of just Kevin Durant is so much taller than him. I was just getting so annoyed because I did watch the game. I was just getting so annoyed by him. Like, not like I I don't know if I was that tall, I would just hold those through him, you know, and I was getting because I was because he's he's relevant. He's shorter, and it's like just shoot through. You can shoot over him. You can just like pass by him. And I felt like Beverly was definitely getting under his skin. So props to Beverly because that stat won't show up. Like how many times did you cause Durant to pass the ball? You know that stat won't show up. Yeah. But I think he did kind of get to him, and the ejections as we're gonna go through game two and game three. And the technical fouls, those are going to start to add up, I think. And mm-hmm. it's going to be more important for Kate, Kevin Durant than it is for Beverly going forward. Because if the Warriors end up going to round two and to the finals, I think those technical fouls starts to add up. But yeah, we'll I believe there. you all, Yeah, but just to touch on that, like, I believe you only have four or five technicals in a playoffs before you get suspended, I think, at least one game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, so, think it's, I think it's seven. But Seven. From as as of yesterday, he had three, and then now he had to, um, Kevin Durant, now he has two. So I'm just like, and we're bringing the first round, and this season right. I think he's had the most techs in his entire career. So I don't know. I just feel like, like – it's easy to get under Kevin Durant's skin this year. I wonder. Yeah, um, he's, he's, def- he's a little uneasy. He, he, he's a little uneasy. I think from all of the stuff that stemmed from the beginning of the season with the trade rumors and things like that, I think that's kind of still affecting him. But the pressure is still on. Obviously, he wants rings. He may not want rings with the Warriors anymore. He may or may not. But um he still has to, if he wants a ring, he has to play with them now. <laughs> you know, he's going to have to get over that. But it's just kind of like, is he going to be able to find the balance to not risk him not playing? Yeah, finding the balance is going to be totally hard, I think, especially when you have a guy like Patrick Beverly on the Clippers team. But, and it kind of, you can tell it was hard because here we go, game two, which was on Monday, the Clippers beat the Warriors 135 to 131. The Warriors blowing a 31-point lead, a new NBA playoff record. Record, yeah. You can kind of tell how Beverly has kind of, you know, the first game the Warriors won, but in the second game, Beverly really, really got Kevin Durant annoyed. He he forced so many shots, and then, or he forced Katie to pass so many shots. The fact that Katie only took eight shots in that game is crazy yeah. like i just felt like you know what kevin durant at that point was like i'm kind of tired of it i'll shoot if i want to i'll shoot if i don't want to and it's like you shouldn't have that kind of mentality especially in a playoff game in the first round so i did think katie lacked a little bit of aggression but were you able to watch the game i will be honest i changed the channel at <laughs> at halftime, yeah. I thought it was going to be another blowout. <laughs> another blowout. No, I wasn't. That, that was on Monday. Yeah, I wasn't even uh, in town. But uh, obviously, I did catch what I could have, like, highlights and stuff like that. And I think Beverly, again, like, got under his skin. He was trying to, like, you know, 
um, shake it off, but it didn't work. It definitely yeah. didn't work this time because they both fouled out. But uh, I think he's definitely going to be a pester for Durant, and Durant's going to have to get out of his own head because, like I said, if he wants to win a ring, he has to do it with the Warriors right now. That's his best chance, so he's going to have to really um, – man up honestly and just you know be a more be more aggressive as a player and not just as a person like yeah he's quick to get up in refs faces yeah he's quick to get fouled out but like how aggressive are you going to the basket are mm-hmm. you shooting are you you know are you still being a team player are you just being selfish so mm-hmm. um that's definitely gonna come back for him but yeah I think this the second game overall was like Wow, it showed the primary weaknesses for the Warriors, but it showed the key strengths for the Clippers. It was kind of like the opposite ends of the same stick, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Because going into this series, I definitely believe that the Clippers can win more than one or two games. Now, the series as a whole, I I don't think they have the energy to come together overall through six or seven games and win out. I think the Warriors are definitely going to outplay them in the end, but I think the Clippers can give them a harder time than they've been giving them. They just haven't been able to, I don't know, like really work those weaknesses because once the Warriors get comfortable, that's that's when you attack, like automatic, because then they're like, whoa, 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 what happened? Like this wasn't happening. And I feel like they're slow to jump back once you once you really jump over them, once a team really, like, jumps them and and they get them out of their comfort zone, they're like, oh, we don't really know what to do with this anymore. (laughs) Yes, Um, I totally agree. Agree. So especially coming back in in the second half, I mean, the two halves were, like, two completely different teams. So the points, um, Clippers scored, scored 50 points in the first half, 85 in the second half. Their their field goal percentage jumped from 45% to 67%. Their three-point field goal percentage jumped from 35% to 57%. And that is really all mentality. Um, I think they they were just like, mm-hmm. we're sick of we're sick of this. We're gonna change things up. You know, they came. They they went into the locker room. They were like, we're gonna change up some matchups, whatever, whatever. And they came out and they were like, we're gonna take advantage of whatever mistakes they're they're making. Um, and it showed. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no, no, for sure. I feel like the Clippers never gave up. And the combination of the Warriors feeling too confident is what happened in that game. By the time the Warriors wanted to fight back. It was a little bit too late because they had just slacked off for the second half. And so Mm -hmm. I do credit a lot the Clippers and their mentality that keeps them going. And we've talked about this before in other podcasts, how they had that grittiness to them that allows them to get through humps and through wins. And that game was very clear that Mm -hmm. they have so much potential if they can just execute it all properly and correctly and all at the same time you know Williams still had a great night Harold still had a great enough great night um Gallinari stepped up and then you have like rookie Landy Landry Shamit make that game winning three you know and the Warriors kind of have like they were on edge so I do think they have a lot of potential and 
it was crazy that they were how much of a percentage to win a game. <laughs> it was so low, and then they won this, so and, then, and then they won it uh, an away game. So you, hopefully, this kind of we well, I thought it would have kind of helped boost their confidence, but you know, as we can see in game three, it just went all <laughs> all the way around. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah. but- in game two, I also want to add, like, Lou Williams really stepped up. And Lou Williams, everybody knows he can set the pace of, mm-hmm. of a floor automatically. Yeah. He had 36 points. And I believe because of the way he played, he gave a little bit more to motivation to everybody else because he had 11 assists. So he led the team in points and assists, which means not only is he scoring, but he's opening up the floor for everybody else because now you have Gallinari with 24 points when in the previous game, I believe he had 15, so that, you know, that's a big difference. So go from 15 to 24 points in um, a one-game span, and then you had Beverly step up. He added 10. That's good for him. Yes, he's a defensive player, but if you could be a defensive player and at least put 10 on the board, then he has five assists as well. Then you have Shemet, who added 12. So he was kind of on a roll. So it's just kind of like when they have somebody like Lou Williams step up, because before Lou Williams, it was the it was um, Tobias Harris. So he mm-hmm. would set people up. Um, he would set the pace, he would get in a rhythm, and he would motivate everybody else. But now it's kind of like, okay, who's going to be that clutch person in the middle that's not only opening up at the floor but also scoring? It has to be Lou Williams. At this point, you could tell. Oh, yeah, for sure. Lou Williams has been incredible in this series so far. He had 36 points and 11 assists in Game 2. So it kind of lets you know how valuable of a player he's been, how he's been carrying the pressure along with the team, and how he's been creating not only shots for himself but for his entire team and that can really be a big problem for a team like the Warriors who are just used to kind of stopping the other team and getting their own shots in but other things that happened that game um DeMarcus Cousins got injured in the first quarter so let's talk a little bit about that he went out trying to get a ball and then I guess he tore his left quad but Apparently, he will not need surgery, but there is no specific timeline, so we don't know if he's coming back. But according to doctors and stuff and people that they've spoken to in the league, he might just be out of the playoffs because it's, like, ripped. (laughs) Um, What do you think? How, How do you feel about this injury? Do you think it matters for the Warriors going on? Um, I feel bad because, you know, Boogie just came back from, I believe it was a ACL tear, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, I think as a player for him, it's definitely rough to kind of be like, okay, I was just getting back in this rhythm and now I have to rehab again or do whatever he has to do. The Warriors were doing fine without him though before, and they will do fine without him now. <laughs> now, like I said, I think the, the, consequences for boogie is more of an individual thing rather than a team thing with the warriors uh because obviously they were able to come back into game three which we're going to get into and blow out the clippers so it's just kind of like they don't need boogie yes he's he's a good factor to have but they don't need him no they don't (laughs) yeah i i I'm very sad and frustrated for him because 
he's a free agent uh, coming up this summer, right? And this was his chance to kind of make himself more valuable, make himself known, and now he's hurt. And it's not going to happen. I think this is his first playoff appearance in his eight-year career. So, and then the first game he had, it wasn't really that exciting or that great. I think he only scored nine points, nine rebounds in, like, 21 minutes. Yeah. So, so it wasn't like he had had a great playoff like introduction so he kind of leaves nba and nba fans wanting more i think so it is very sad and frustrating to see that this is how it's going down and we won't get a chance to see like a playoff cousins come in uh will the warriors still win without him i think yes they might miss him a little bit more because i guess now andrew bogut starting his place you know andrew bogut was supposed to be the backup now he's starting mm -hmm. So, in my eyes, Bogut is no cousin. So, you know, yeah. there is going to be different. If you're, we're thinking like Western Conference and in, going into the finals, Milwaukee is looking pretty good on the east side. So, if that be a finals matchup, you want somebody who's going to be able to step up to Giannis, you know? And I don't mm. know if Bogut could have been that guy. I think Cousins could have been that guy, definitely. I don't know about Bogut now. So it's kind of, it leaves me sad and frustrated because there's, I feel sorry for him. And and I feel sorry that I'm not going to watch that match show <laughs> that I wanted yeah, to. Yeah. I, definitely, I definitely think, yeah, like the way you put it, like looking ahead, um, Boogie would probably be a better, like a more, he's overall, he's one of the most aggressive players in the NBA. Um and I think he would have definitely been a good matchup for somebody like Giannis. But I think, I don't know, I feel like they'll be able to at least try to balance it a little bit. Oh, depending. yeah, sure. It's the Warriors. <laughs> exactly. Depending on how, how far they go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, depending on how far they get and how far the Bucks get, um, if that matchup does happen, then they they may just have to find a balance, which I think is obviously possible for them. <laughs> no, yeah, I think you're right. I feel when you mentioned about Cousins being a more personal problem, and it is because he's been trying to get that max contract, trying to be like known as a really great player within the NBA. And so I feel like now NBA executives or whoever's like leading for um, teams, they're going to see, well, you know, he's kind of like, two injuries in in the two-year span is he injury prone can he get back up again is he gonna be good it's just gonna you know so all the question and doubt started to come in so i feel like his value kind of drops down a little bit which is shouldn't because uh, he is he is such a great player but i agree it's a more personal affection or it'll affect him more personally than i think the it will affect the warriors unfortunately yeah. <laughs> unfortunately uh yeah but uh so uh, with that, hopping into the last game, that I, when is their next game? Monday? Sunday. Saturday? Sunday? Oh, their right. next game after game three? Game, game four. Game three. Game four is on Sunday. Game three was last night. Right. So, last night, the Warriors obviously came back with a vengeance <laughs> because they were embarrassed, they were pissed off, and they said all of this in the in the press conference. They were mm -hmm. very 
very honest uh, with media, you know, describing their emotions. And, I mean, they had every right to be upset with themselves. They blew a 31-point lead. I mean, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do, go home and be happy? Like, yeah, exactly. So they, uh, and, you know, not considering the fact that that 30, 31 resembles another lead that they blew <laughs> um, in a previous year, but whatever. Oh, so uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody was playing off of that so and I'm sure the players you know heard about that and I'm sure it kind of dug a, a little bit of a deeper wound that they already had so it's kind of like coming into game three it's like we have to win automatically no matter what you know we're not letting up and that's dangerous that's very dangerous for the Warriors because the whole team feels that way you know they're all on the same they're very they have an extreme winning mentality so when they lose and they lose bad all 12 or 13 of them come back ready to win. You know, it's not like just a starting five with the motivation. It's, it's everybody. It's the bench. It's whatever. And that also translates because let me check this box score real quick. So yeah. So almost everybody on the team had at least a point. There was, there's only three people that were set to play that that had zero points. So that's that's what I'm saying because in previous games there are you know there were more people without points, but now it's just kind of like with that revenge factor <laughs> um, and that winning factor, they're they're ready. So what I'm most excited to see, obviously in in this next game, is like are the Clippers going to come back with the same thing? Like, is this really going to be a back-and-forth situation? Or are the Warriors kind of going to keep on the same stint? Like, oh, you guys blew us out by 31, so we're definitely winning this series. Like, we're about to sweep you guys. Or is it just kind of like a game-by-game thing? I think the Clippers will try to come back, but it's the... I feel like, you know, the... The Clippers knew in Game 3 that the Warriors were going to come back with a vengeance, and they kind of just let it happen. They didn't do nothing about it. So Game 4 comes around, and now the Warriors know that the Clippers are going to come back with a vengeance, and I don't think the Warriors are going to allow themselves to, like, oh, yeah, let's let, let's let them win another one. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think what you said is correct. It's a team effort for the Warriors once they lost by how badly they once they lost the lead and then lost to the Clippers it's a team vibe they kind of get off of each other and so I think that one person who sparks that that positivity that vibe was Kevin Durant in game three he had 38 points seven assists and four rebounds and kind of just led the team and so when okay. he's playing well I feel like if I'm playing well then all y'all have to play well as well <laughs> you know basically um, yeah and then it's like it's like it's the Warriors like I don't know I don't know what else to say like from field from the field goal the Clippers shot only from field goal range, the Clippers shot only 37%, right? Meanwhile, the Warriors are shooting 54%. And then from the three-point line, the Clippers shot only 21%. That means they made 17 out of their 32 baskets. Meanwhile, the Warriors are kind of are shooting from anywhere they want and, like, getting all the points. So you can't come back with a vengeance if you're not going to make your shots, basically. And then besides yeah. Williams, nobody else... Oh, well, Zubak and Williams. Besides that, nobody else showed up to the game. 
I feel like it kind of has to do with consistency, and Gallinari kind of has me there. He's not being as consistent as you want your whole team to be. Yeah. Uh, it just you can't have a good comeback if not everybody's on the same page. That's what I feel. It's the bad, Warriors yeah. were all on the same page last night, not the yeah. Clippers. So their attitude might have to change. And it's crazy how you go from having such a great game in game two and then such a horrible game in game three. And now in game four, which is on Sunday, you're just like, we don't, I don't really know what to expect, but because the Warriors are the Warriors, I'm going to go with the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think, uh, definitely agree with what you're saying. And yeah, looking at the box store again, like, you know, the starters, they didn't really come out. Nobody was in double digits except for Zubak. And if, I mean, if the Clippers want to win, their starters really have to start making a better statement. Or they need to change the lineup. Because it's just like, you put your, your starting five out there, they're supposed to start the game, you know, literally. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing that. So now now they have to switch out immediately. Somebody has to come in. Somebody has to come out. So they're that messes up their consistency first off. And then um, once you start to notice that the starters really can't help and you put the pressure on the bench last minute, it's just like, how are we supposed to catch up now when they set us so far back? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's true. When Lou Williams is the one leading the team and he's a, he's coming off the bench, what are the starters doing? What are you guys doing for those first five minutes of the game? And then, exactly. and I agree with the lineup change, but who, like, you know, who, what is Doc Rivers going to do? Who is he going to put in? Because no one has been as consistent as Lou Williams and maybe Harold for the series. So uh, I feel like they need a mentality flip again, and hopefully they can put it together so we can have great basketball but it's hard when when not everybody's on that same page and for example Williams was had 16 points but he wasn't shooting the best as he possibly could so you needed other players to kind of come in and step up yeah able to do that as well so I think that Sunday is another home game for the first hopefully they can move stuff around round and i agree the starters have to start doing something <laughs> anything exactly. like if, if they get into the game and you know the warriors come out hot because that's what they did they came out hot in the beginning of this uh in this game three um and i believe i've read let me see I don't know if it was this game or the previous game they came out yeah so here they came out in the first quarter um, and they were shooting 73% from the from the floor in the first quarter. <laughs> like, you can't let that happen, especially when you're at home. The starters cannot let a team come out that hot and then expect to come back. There's no way. There's no, it's too hard, especially when you're, it'd be different if you were dealing with a, with a team that wasn't named the Golden State Warriors, but because dealing with that team, you cannot let them start hot. You have to give them a little push right from tip-off, right from tip-off. You have to um, come out dominant and assert yourself because otherwise they're going to run all over you and make you look silly. And that's what they did. They made them look silly. 
I totally agree. <laughs> I mean, I can't find a flaw like it, especially when it's a team like the Warriors, like for sure. And then what? Another thing that happened last night: um, both Durant and Green, well, Green from the Clippers, they both got te- double technicals last night. And even though it was like clearly, you can see that they were just like being like, chummy and talking. Exactly, yeah. And they both got texts. And then, that, so that would have been Kevin Durant's third technical in three games. But then this morning, they both got taken away and they both got it, rescinded. And so imagine if it would have stayed the same way and Durant would have had his third tech in three games. Do you see this becoming a problem? Because I see it becoming a problem. I don't know how he can oh, just kind sure. of blow it off. And he's like, I can control yeah. myself. Well, obviously you can't. Um what do you think? Is it like, is it just Patrick Beverly? You think this is going to continue on within um, the playoffs? I think honestly, all teams are going to realize that Kevin Durant has a an emotional imbalance, and that if they put somebody on him, they're going to they're going to affect him. And if Kevin Durant like fouls out early in the game because he's been lucky, this all of this has been happening towards the end of games. Mm-hmm. But if he starts doing this and teams really start taking advantage of his weaknesses and he gets thrown out in the beginning of the game, I think that will definitely affect the Warriors as a whole. If they lose Kevin Durant, he's a key piece. He is okay. a key piece. And if they lose Kevin Durant, I mean. I think they're going to fall apart a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, so. No, yeah, I agree. I think this is a cause for concern, no matter how much he wants to play it off. It's something to worry about. And I think Kerr kind of alluded to that in a, in a question he was asked post-game yesterday. Like, if this is round one, game three. Like, there's still so much more games to go if you're the Warriors and you're looking to, you know, go all the way. By the seventh technical, you're getting suspended out of the games. And to lose a person on a player like Kevin Durant and his superstar status and what he brings to a team, mm-hmm. it's not going to be good for the Warriors. And I feel that you're right, maybe teams are kind of on the lookout those who are going to the second round and they might use it as a tactic they will kevin durant has a short little string and they just pull and pull and then we can get him out of the game that's some that's one less shooter we have to worry about so i think kevin durant and the warriors shouldn't kind of downplay it they should take it seriously and kind of see well what can we do to not let this get under my skin and there's been so many extra layers to this whole situation with Kevin Durant and like his short kind of temper with the media and now his short temper within games. And I just, and then I feel like refs kind of know what's going on. They kept super unbiased and like impartial to what's happening. If it's already game four and and Kevin Durant has been like tech, 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 then next game they're just not gonna wait and they're just gonna eject eject them like you know and yeah, so exactly when you're trying to win a championship that's very tough and that should be kind of the least of your worries and so i feel like this is something that the warriors kind of need to control and need to be aware of and yeah. surprisingly to me Draymond green has been a little bit more disciplined he's kind of been mm. like the crazy child of the warriors and now it's like wow like how did it turn into kevin durant all of a sudden it's 
Yeah, the spotlight is like off of him, so I feel like he doesn't need feel the need to act like act up. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, like you like you were saying, the refs noticed that too, and that's even worse because yeah. they're definitely not gonna put up with it. They don't care. They're not playing the game. They're just there to regulate the game. So if they already know a player has an issue, their their eyes are already gonna be on him. So I think honestly. If the Warriors know that they can blow out the Clippers like this, then maybe they need to regulate Kevin Durant's minutes a little bit just to keep on the safe side. Because I feel like the more you keep him in, the more testy he gets with whoever is defending him or however the game's going. And he just needs to sit and calm down. Because you, I think it's a better risk to let him sit a few minutes and not score than for him to be in the whole game and then get ejected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause that doesn't help nobody except the other exactly. team. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I, I think it's um, definitely going to be a big test for them seeing how the rest of this series goes. Cause there's, there's still a few games left. <laughs> yeah. So. It, I would, it's shocking to me how like the Warriors' demise could be something that's like so non-basketball related. <laughs> it's just you keep your temper in check, and that could just literally ruin the whole three-peat whatever journey they've been on for this season. <laughs> I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, so I think we are officially caught up with how this series is going. Um, thank you for joining us on West Coast Mix and Bounce with myself and Bronna Marks. But we hope you stay tuned for more NBA coverage and more NBA playoffs. So thank you for listening. Thank you, guys.